I'm so glad that you guys could join me this morning to talk about some of the updates that we saw for ICD-10 coming up for 2022. Um, there's no way that we could possibly cover all of the updates in this short little period of time that we have together, guys. And so what I wanted to do was just go over some of the highlights. And the first thing I think we need to do is talk about those codes that became effective for us January 1, 2021. So we had some codes that became effective early this year that, you know, normally we know that all of our codes, our ICD-10 codes, they become effective for us on October the 1st. But we did have a few that became uh, effective to us this early this year, and they were really revolving around COVID. So... We know that you know last year we the CDC and the World Health Organization they worked very quickly to provide us with codes to accurately describe COVID, um, and some of these codes became effective January first this year. So we had a little interim um, coding there happening. Anyway, um, what I wanted to share with you was we now have a code for the encounter for screening COVID, and that's Z eleven point fifty two and contact with or suspected exposure to COVID, Z20.822. So many of you might have been using the old guidance when it came to exposure to COVID. I just wanted to let you know that we have a more up-to-date guidance that's out there for exposure to COVID. Personal history of COVID, Z86.16, Z86.16. Um, and I'm going to put up a link here so that you can go to the CDC website and download these updated codes. There were six updated codes. So um, we had the encounter for screening, the contact and, and ex suspected exposure, personal history of. There's a new code for the multi-inflammatory syndrome. So MIS, that code is M35.81. Um, other specified systemic, systemic ooh, involvement of the connective tissue, M35.89. And lastly, pneumonia due to coronavirus 2019. Um, and that's J12.82. So those are the six codes that became effective January 1. Hopefully you're all using those codes if you have any COVID infected um, patients. Wanted to let you know that the codes for 2022, we have, um, hold on, let me get my notes up here. Woo, there we go. <laughs> I can't remember all of this. We have 159 additions, 25 deletions, and 27 revisions. And, and historically, that's a pretty low number of changes that we're expecting in ICD-10. Um, so... Let's take a look at that. Um, first thing I wanna talk about are the guidelines. Guidelines came out last week, week before last. Uh, they came out on the 12th. So the guidelines were the last thing that was released by the CDC for ICD-10. And um, the, those guidelines included uh, reporting for breast cancer. So, so again, there were very few changes that were made, and I just wanted to share that with you. The majority of the changes that were made um, to the guidelines really were within the chapters of the guidelines there. Um, also, if you haven't read the guidelines in a while, I think that this time of year is always the best time to read the guidelines so that you have uh, refreshed your knowledge of what's in there, and you've also been able to capture any information 
that, um, you, you know, any new changes that were coming up for those new guidelines there. Uh, the guidelines are a total of 115 pages. So it's not an incredible read. It's, you know, pretty reasonable read. If you print it front to back, that's only 70 something, 80 pages that you're really um, looking at there in ICD-10 guidelines. So I advise you to read the guidelines. A, a lot of good stuff is there, things that maybe you didn't remember, um, certain codes that can't be reported as primary codes, sequencing of different codes, um, defaults, things like that. Again, coders have a very small berth uh, that we can add our own interpretation of ICD-10 codes. Only clinicians can report those ICD-10 codes. So we have a very small berth of, of what we can do, how we can add those codes. So I recommend that you read the guidelines so that you know what that information is. Um, and a lot of the information came to us, again, discussing when certain things are reported, BMI, the stroke, the coma scale, those types of things, with the um, ulcers, when they're reported by someone else, the depth or the location or the severity. Um, as coders, we're able to take some of that information. Again, read the guidelines specifically for them to tell you what that is. Now, let's cover these specific chapters there and, and what has changed in the chapter. So I'm going to talk a little bit about the guidelines, and then I'm going to talk a little bit about each specific chapter and what has changed inside of it. So there was an update to the history of HIV management. And so those patients that are managed by medication for HIV, the code B20 should be reported even if they are asymptomatic. So uh, that was a new guidance that we received for ICD-10. Um, we also received guidance for uh, sequela, sequela um, COVID. So again, things for COVID are changing very, very fast for us. And so they've advised us that anybody that is HIV, that is taking medication and their HIV is managed with medication, that we should be reporting the B20 along with the long-term drug management. So the antiviral medication, um, that Z79.899, we're using that to report that, that antiviral medication. I'm sorry, I jumped completely over the post-COVID, the sequela of COVID. And so what, what we're seeing now with COVID or what they're telling me that we're seeing with COVID is that people are having some long-term side effects of their COVID infections. And so they've they resolved their COVID infections, but they're still having some post-COVID conditions. So we have a code now to report that. We've got our third code that is being added to um, ICD-10, uh, the chapter 22 in ICD-10 for those special purpose codes. And uh, it's U09.9, post-COVID-19 condition. And there are quite a bit of guidelines around when to use that. Um, again, we won't use that if somebody is, is currently having a COVID infection. This is for post-COVID infections. And there's also some guidance there for those patients that had COVID, are dealing with a post-COVID side effect or post-COVID condition, and then they're also reinfected with COVID. So there's some guidelines there in sequencing the correct COVID codes. So I wanted to share that with you. Um, 
when it comes to our infectious diseases, we, we do have a new code in infectious disease there. That is A79.82. And I couldn't even begin to pronounce the type of bacteria that that is. So there is that information that's there for chapter one. Um, chapter two is neoplasms. And we have a new code in neoplasms for a place, anaplastic uh, large cell lymphoma um, of the breast. So those are for patients that are ALK negative and um, they're reporting for the cancer there. So there's that code. It's C84.7A. That's the new cancer code that's out there. Um, also, there is some direction for chapter two in neoplasms. They're uh, reporting primary and secondary neoplasms uh, related to this aplastic large cell. <gasps> oh, God bless me. Woo. Felt that one coming. Anyway, um, in, um, oops, I have another one coming out. <gasps> oh, I hope this is not an allergy attack because that would be incredibly, incredibly embarrassing. Um, chapter three, our diseases and our bloodborne forming organs. We have five new codes in this chapter relating to anemia. So anybody reporting that D55 code, we now have uh, D55.21 and D55.29. Those are anemias that are due to um, PK deficiencies. So anybody that is, is having those PK deficiency anemias, there's also another code um, in chapter three that is for other th thrombocytopenia. So we do have quite a bit of thrombocytopenia changes and uh, we've expanded out those codes in that particular section. So keep an eye out on the blood disorders there. Endocrine system, endocrine system, um, you received a couple of new codes, one new code, and that's for Neiman's Picks disease type A and type B, but there is some instruction in the guidelines that changed advising you that when a patient is taking uh, insulin and they're also taking an oral hypoglycemic or um, an injectable non-insulin anti-diabetic, that we need to be reporting those codes to, to let the payers know or to uh, ad advise that they're taking those types of medical intervention or, or uh, medication intervention there. So when we have long-term use of insulin, it's Z79.4, not a new code, but to let you know that if it is with another oral anti-hypoglycemic or that um, injectable non-insulin anti-diabetic, that we should be reporting all the codes to represent all the the um, prescription interventions or medication interventions that that patient is having. So it used to say, or now it says, and. Moving into the chapter four, or chapter five, excuse me, when we go into chapter five for um, mental, behavioral and neural, neurodevelopmental disorders, we have one new code that has been expanded out, depression. So depression now has a, a different description to it. Depression, the total description for it changed from, where am I? Ah, here we go. It is now F32.A, F32.A to describe depression, unspecified, um, and that is revising our major depressive disorder there. So 
instead of major depressive disorder, it's now called depression unspecified. Um, and we have a few new codes to, that are breaking out depression. So if you're using that F32.0, 0.1, 0 0.9, um, it's now F32.A and it has an, an additional fifth digit that's required for depression. So any of you that are reporting those, please make sure that you're aware that there are some changes there. Um, also some changes to the guidelines when it comes to alcohol related medical conditions. So if there's a medical condition that's due to a substance abuse, use, abuse, or dependency, um, we should assign a diagnosis code for the medical condition first. And then we should follow up with any alcohol dependency as it's documented. So again, um, I've been out there really promoting to providers and telling them, please let us know when a substance is either in a dependency or in an abuse, because as coders, we can't assume that. I was talking to some coders the other day about a 40-year smoker smokes three packs a day. If the provider doesn't document that it's dependency or abuse, the only code that we can report as coders is use, use of tobacco. So we can't infer that because they've been smoking for 40 years and three packs a day that they have a dependency or an abuse because again, as coders, we're not clinicians. So important that our providers let us know when um, something is due to an abuse or a dependency. And in the case of any medical conditions that arise from that use, abuse or dependency, we should also be reporting the appropriate codes after the appropriate mental health codes or the appropriate um, substance use codes after the medical condition. So that was a little change in the guideline there. Another guideline change was those alcohol-related disorders, um, the blood alcohol level, if it is reported in the chart by someone else, and this is not just that the lab work came in and shows what the blood alcohol level is. It, it does need to be uh, mentioned by the provider or a provider somewhere in the chart uh, what that blood in, that interpretation is, so the blood alcohol level. But as a coder, they did expand our... Um, a, our right to or our, our, our guideline to look at that documentation from another provider that says what the blood alcohol level for that patient is. And then we can, as coders, assign the appropriate code from that documentation from any provider. Doesn't necessarily have to be the attending provider. So that was also, a, I think, a pretty big win for coders. And if there are any providers out there, if you share this with your provider, please remind them that we can't assume coding. We have to have that documentation there to support that coding. Um, 10 new codes for the nervous system. There are no change in guidelines for the nervous system. However, we do have um, 10 new codes for the nervous system there. We do have some codes for the circulatory system. Um, there, there are no changes to the eyes or the adnexa, which is great, but we do have one code that was added for non-ischemic myocardial injuries, non-traumatic. So again, that we'll take a look at that. The digestive system, um, we did not show any new codes to the digestive system, but we did add a few codes that were for esophageal diseases. So esophageal polyps, esophageal junction polyps, 
Um, and then we have a new code for uh, other specified diseases of the esophagus. Diseases of the skin, the subcutaneous tissue, eight new codes. So they're all relating to irritant contact dermatitis. So um, want to pay attention to those irritant contact dermatitis. Eight new codes there to really describe where in the body that that irritant is coming from or what it is related to. So take a look at those. We had quite a few changes to chapter 13, the diseases of the musculoskeletal system and the connective tissue. Um, so we want to make sure that we're looking at all of that information, uh, mostly regarding cell transplants and things of that nature. There were some uh, changes to the sojourn syndrome, sojourn system, which is also called the celiac uh, syndrome for, for a long time. But the celiac has been removed now in the code description, and it is sojourn syndrome is the new description for that, that condition. Um, non-radiologic axial spondyloarthritis, spondyloarthritis. We have some new codes to report that. Um, and major change in the musculoskeletal system for low back pain. So any of you that are reporting the M54.5, it has now been expanded to a fifth digit code. And our low back pain unspecified is m 54.50, M54.50, and that's for your lumbago or your loin pain. Um, then we have M54.51 for any vertebrogenic low back pain. So, um, and then la lastly, we have a new code M54.59, and that's for other low back pain. And remember when other is reported, there is a description in the documentation of what that back pain is. We just don't have a specific code to report the back pain that is documented. So the word other is used um, with that code to, to catch like a catch all kind of code there, M54.59. Lots and lots of new codes um, in chapter 16. So 16 is for our perinatal period there for our little guys, our little neonatals, our under 28 days um, here on earth, the new guys, right, as we like to call them. So, uh, so we have a, a lot of new codes for abnormal screenings. So those newborn screenings that are, are uh, performed on all of our little patients there, we have nine new codes to report those new um, newborn screening codes. Um, I can't go over absolutely everything, guys. So I hope that I'm just sparking enough interest that you will take this information and run with it, grab the guidelines and grab the new codes and really review those codes and see what changes need to be made. It's also a really great time to reach out to your EMRs and ask them when they plan to have the updates available in your EMR system. Remember, we need to start using these new codes by October 1st. Don't want to get a denial out there because you're using a, an inappropriate code, maybe code that was a four-digit that's now five-digit code. The, the next area I want to chat about um, happens to be the signs and symptoms chapters. So there was one change for congenital malformations, deformations, and chromosomal abnormalities, but I want to talk about chapter 18, symptoms, signs, abnormal 
clinical laboratory findings that are not elsewhere classified. And um, the big change there, we have six new codes to report cough. So acute cough, R05.1, subacute cough, R05.2, uh, chronic cough, which includes persistent cough, refractory coughs, and unexplained coughs. We have, um, um, that is our R05.3. R05.4 is cough syncope, and it should also be reported with the, any syncope or collapse codes that are associated with that cough syncope. That's Again, that's not a, a vasovagal reaction. That's a cough syncope. Uh, other specified cough, so again, it's documented in the chart, but we don't necessarily have a code for it. Um, but we would expect to see what kind of cough it is reported in documentation to, to fall into that other. And then we do have our, our unspecified cough. So again, that's our R05.9. Um, in, in our signs and symptoms, chapter 18, there's also a couple of new codes for nocturnal polyuresis. Um, excuse me, nocturnal polyuria. I don't know why my pronunciation sometimes is so very off. I've been doing this for such a long time. And I guess it's just the day and the moment, right? Um, so the nocturnal polyuria also, uh, there's an excludes two note that's been added to that, that you should also report nocturnal um emuresis when that happens. And I'm probably not pronouncing anything right, which is really weird. I speak four languages fluently and I can't seem to pick any of my <laughs> words correctly today. Um, but there's also another new code R35.89 for other polyuria. So we're just kind of running through these very quickly. We don't have a lot of time together. Um, but I wanted to, to spark your interest to grab these documents and read them. Uh, also in the signs and symptoms, we have some new codes to report for feeding difficulties in our little ones. So uh, feeding difficulties unspecified, R63.30, pediatric feeding disorders acute, R63.31, um, pediatric feeding disorders chronic, R63.32, and then other feeding difficulties um, in, in either infants or the elderly's uh, even includes uh, the definition of a picky eater. So I had this R63.39. I had one of those living in my house when he was little. Picky eater. Um, there are some new codes in our injury poisoning and uh, certain other consequences of external causes. And these sometimes are so much fun to, to really take a look at. But we have some codes for traumatic brain compression and herniation. Um, we also have some new codes to define poisoning or adverse effects or underdosing of cannabis, either accidentally, intentionally, by assault, or undetermined. So we also have the adverse effects of cannabis. We have some codes there. There's also new codes for synthetic um, cannabinoids. So those are those over the counter there. I guess you can buy them in a smoke shop or something. It's fake weed. I don't know. I don't know anything about it, but we now have codes to report, um, any type of poisoning with that type of, I think it's called fake weed anyway. Um, so that takes us all the way through to the, chapter 20, external causes of morbidity. 
And there are three new codes in that category there, uh, most of them pertaining to the addition of a seventh character. So take a look at those. Chapter 21, factors influencing health status and contact with health status. Um, there are several updates that have been added to it to describe those social determinants of health. So we've had, again, quite a few, 19 new codes were added to that chapter to describe those social determinants of health. Um, and that's everything from a level of homelessness or a, a threat of homelessness. Um, those things definitely affect our patients and, and, and how they're treated and the risk that that patient might have of following up with the treatment or following up with the testing that might be ordered for a particular patient. So lots of really great codes there to support that social determinant of health that's now recognized in the risk category of medical decision-making. So good stuff there. And then of course, chapter 22, I told you that we have a new code that we use to report post-COVID um, uh, conditions. So again, in, in 30 minutes or, or so, there's no way to cover this vast change of information and what those new codes are. But I hope that um, I have sparked your interest that you've heard that maybe your particular specialty is having some changes or some additions or revisions to codes that are reported, and you're going to go out and grab the new ICD-10 um, guidelines to review and read. And so let me throw up a link to the new guidelines there. And that link also includes um, a, a, all the addendums that have been made to the guidelines all the addendums that have been made to the tabular section. So that's something that uh, a lot of people don't re realize is that not only do we add codes, but we also make changes to the tabular section. So uh, all of my students know, I like to call the red uh, instructional notes in the tabular section of ICD-10, I call those the love notes. And so the addendums that you'll find in this file include all of those love notes that are in the tabular section. So please make sure that you are reading all these wonderful guidelines and you're aware of all of the changes and how they affect you and your particular practice. So I'm gonna go ahead and open up the chat and we have a couple of minutes left to ask any questions. I know that I kind of just threw information at you at this little short juncture that we're with. Um, Joanne asks, where can I find the updated guidelines? And so let me throw the link up here again um, to the updated guidelines. It's okay, Joanne, if you can't grab all that information right now, when we upload this podcast, um, I'll make sure that all the links are included in the podcast. So those changes that became effective January 1st, 2021, as well as the new guidelines, the new addendums, the new codes that are for 2022. And not a lot of code changes for 2022, but um, every little code matters, especially if you're reporting um, cough, if you're reporting depression, if you are reporting uh, back pain. Those are some of the big hot ones that I see a lot, primary care um, and some of our, our specialists there. So you want to take a look at those. Um, any other questions that we might have? that you might have about the guidelines and when they're coming out. They are effective October 1st. 
don't forget to please get in touch with your EMR. Make sure these codes are out there. If your providers are doing any of these new codes that you want to make sure they have the up-to-date list, sometimes I have found that it's better to give them the short list. These are your most frequently used codes, or these are the codes that changed for our specialty. Here's the new guideline for um, you know, whatever it is that your, your specialty is or your provider does. Sometimes it's better to give them small chunks rather than to give them the entire changes and said, here, review this. You know, they're busy taking care of patients and they might not have the time to review everything. So it could be helpful just to give them the cliff note version. Um, I do plan on recording a webinar on all of the updated ICD-10 codes and have that available to you soon. And um, so I, I know I've promised you guys these webinars and they haven't come up yet. And that's because we have some wonderful news here at Sterling Global Solutions. We have purchased a new building and we will be moving into our new building in the month of August. And so we're going to take a little pause on coding and coffee for the month of August so that we can move into the new building, get settled, uh, you know, have a, have a, you know, all of our desks moved and computers, IT, you know, all the great things that we need when we move. And um, we're also going to put together our new season two that will roll out September the 2nd. So I know I'll miss you all for the month of August, but rest assured, we'll be working hard in the background to provide you with some good content, some good information. We hope to have the season booked out so that we can start publishing, you know, uh, advertising our, our coding and coffee topics earlier for you so that uh, you can kind of pick and, and maybe bring a friend next time. I'm a, I'm a big fan of bring a friend, right, to your coding and coffee. So um, I have another minute left if we have any questions at the last minute. If you think of something later that you want to ask, you know, hey, Christine, can you come and do an education for my providers on the new ICD-10 guidelines? Please feel free to jump in. Um, send me an email. I would love to schedule that. Don't forget that also coming up in September, we have the Ozark Coding Alliance Summit, the virtual summit, September 10th and 11th. And I will be speaking on the 11th and the 12th. So I'll be talking about... Uh, calculating medical decision-making data and risk in 2021. I'm also going to be talking about compliance with telehealth today. And we know telehealth is changing. They did renew the public health emergency for another three months. So we are, we're still having a lot of those waived services that are in place for telehealth. Um, here's a link to the summit. Um, so I want to make sure that I've invited you all to please go to the link, register for the summit. It's going to be amazing. We have some of the most top, top, top speakers in our industry, the biggest minds in the business of medicine that will be speaking at the virtual summit. So I look forward to seeing you all there. And uh, again, we're taking a pause on coding and coffee just for the month of August so we can move into our new building there. But please keep an eye out for the events that are going to be published on all of the social medias. Um, we will be re reporting all of our up and coming coding and coffee for season two. And uh, we will be publishing, publish, publishing, publishing. I don't know why I'm so 
it must be because we're so busy moving and packing. But um, I will be publicizing all of the webinars that are going to be uploaded to our webpage, Sterling Global Solutions. Feel free to reach out to me, see uh, Hall at Sterling Global Solutions, and I will see you all again in September. Have a wonderful August. Thanks for joining me. Take care.